listening to the Dr. Claude Kirshner Show. My name is Dr. Claude Kirshner, and we are here to serve organizational leaders and agile teams who strive for excellence and differentiation. I hope you enjoy the content. If you have any questions or would like some additional resources, please visit our website at www.archconsults.com. Enjoy. work in the drive-up window and I figure well once those that car goes by they'll turn around and acknowledge me well another car pulls up another car so I'm standing there for like 10 minutes no one has even acknowledged that I'm standing at the counter so I said you know excuse me hi hi and they look over and said yes and I said I'd, I'd like to place my order and they said well just a moment we handle the uh, the drive-throughs first and I I said but but I've been here for 10 minutes I, I was here before that car was here yeah, but our company policy is we handle the drive-throughs before the walk-ins. I said, do I, do I have to go walk through the drive-through? I said, how long am I going to stand here? There's a constant line of cars. I'll be here forever. And they said, well, I'm sorry, that's a company policy. I think, well, I guess I'm going to be boycotting this Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> I'm not going back here. Why, why would they ignore me who I park my car, get out, walk inside? I went to all this effort and I'm being ignored versus a person on the phone who just picked up the phone from their living room or from their car. They, they didn't do anything. You know, I'm working to get your business and you're ignoring me. So that's all of, you know, I talk all day about my pet peeves about being ignored. I hate being ignored. So that's, uh, but that's, that's not, that's uh, with ocean reefers, trust me, they hate yeah. being ignored. Well, you set us up by explaining what our target market expects and they expect great service. And then you mentioned how when we go out there to provide them with the baseline, that's not enough. So in addition to the baseline, we must acknowledge their presence and we must build a relationship. And what's that third level that you were about to go to? Customer engagement. And that, think of those words, customer engagement, engagement. Engagement means engaging the public, engaging the customer. You want to have a relationship with that customer. You want to engage them. You want to, when you're talking to them, you want to use all of your senses. You want them to be using all of their senses. Um, it's the antithesis of dealing with a machine. Another pet peeve of ocean reefers is they don't like talking to machines. So if you have an ant, if your phone says, you know, press one for this or press two for that, that's going to irritate some people. Now, I know you, sometimes you have to do that for efficiency, but trust me, it begins to irritate them. Same thing with the, if you have an internet site. If your internet site has a uh, security thing that says, prove you're not a robot, you know, I don't mind checking the box, proving I'm not a robot, but I think this is a terrible trend. You know, where are we going to be in 20 years where I have to prove I'm human? Why do I have to prove I'm human? And why do I have to prove I'm human to a robot? I mean, that is, that is not customer engagement, right? That is, that, is the, that is the opposite of what we want to do. We, you can't have a relationship with a computer. Well, I've seen some movies where they do, but that's fiction. You have relationships with people. So it's all about people. And you have to know that person. So if you want to surprise your customer, and that's really what we're talking about, customer engagement is doing something above and beyond, surprising your customer. So how do you surprise your customer? Uh, maybe because you know their names, you know their spouse's names, you know their children's names. More importantly, do you know their pet's name? So if you go there and, you know, you say, hi, Mr. Smith, how is Mrs. Smith? And by the way, how's little Brownie doing today? You know, that means something to them. And if you know their family is coming for Christmas, hey, they, you, this, is, this is time to upsell, right? 
they're coming for Christmas. You look around and say, you don't say they're already shabby, right? But you do say, you know, I know your family's coming. Did you want to spruce the place up a bit? Maybe you can offer them this, that, or the other. You're the expert. Remember, you are the expert. You're, they are hiring you because you know something or able to do something they either can't do or don't want to do. So they're relying on you to tell them what they want. You know, Steve Jobs has a, a famous saying, uh, um, let me get it right here. Uh, customers don't know what they want until you show it to them. How many of us thought 20 years ago, you know what I really want? I want a phone I can hold in my hand. It takes a great photograph and has access to almost the entire world's knowledge. And I can go anywhere with this little phone. Like, we didn't think we wanted that. We didn't even know that was an option. Steve Jobs knew it was an option. And Steve Jobs knew that we would want it. We would want what he wants. Same thing. They may not know that there's these beautiful flowers, these beautiful bushes, these cool palm trees that exist. So you need to show them they exist. You need, you're the expert. You need to um, uh, anticipate what they may want. And you only can anticipate if you know them. You have to know them. You have to know Christmas is coming. You have to know the family's coming. You have to have a relationship with them. So yeah. that's the cus customer engagement. And, and I know Claudia, you want to, let me just say one more quick story because I like this story. So <clears throat> my last name is Ritz. I have nothing to do with Ritz Carlton or Ritz crackers. I wish I did. I don't, but there is a famous Ritz Carlton story. And uh, this family goes to a Ritz Carlton, this true story, and they have an autistic child. And the child uh, has a stuffed giraffe. And he sleeps with the stuffed giraffe. He talks to the stuffed giraffe. The stuffed giraffe is his best friend. They go to the Ritz Carlton. They leave, child leaves a stuffed giraffe starts going crazy on the way home. The dad calls back to the Ritz-Carlton and says, listen, my son left his stuffed giraffe in the room. Can you please FedEx it overnight? We really need to have it first thing tomorrow morning. Now, good customer service is they would find the stuffed giraffe, they'd put it in a box, they'd ship it to him. He has it at 10 a.m., right? That is good customer service. That's not what the Ritz-Carlton did. They took the time. They took that stuffed giraffe, set it on a lounge chair, took a picture of it. They took that stuffed giraffe, they took it to the spa, took a picture of it getting a massage. They took it to the <laughs> So when they, when the child opened the box, not only is there a stuffed giraffe, but there's a little booklet of the stuffed giraffe on vacation at the Ritz Carlton saying, while you were away, don't worry, your stuffed giraffe was living the good life. And here he is, you know, experiencing the Ritz Carlton. And they just, you know, showed him having dinner, you know, having, didn't have drinks, but he had like a lemonade with an umbrella in it. You know, all these cute photos of this stuffed giraffe. Because a child's imagination is, you know, he may have been worried that the stuffed giraffe was, was, uh, was lonely, wasn't with him. So, because he was worried, he was lonely because he didn't have the giraffe. So obviously the opposite has to be true. So anyway, that's customer engagement. They knew there was a special child and they knew uh, the giraffe was a special item to the child. But that's, you only have that if you have a relationship. That's a great story. And the, the analogy is so well taken because that special child could be their pool or their landscape or the special, the, the giraffe you talked about. So I'm going to take what you just said, because that is just loaded with, with juicy flavor for our team of going above and beyond and, and engaging the customer. And, and my father, I think, tuned into this call as well. And what he has always, hey, dad, I don't, I can't see you, but I'm not sure. <laughs> it's, it's so exciting to me just to have my father and Dave in the same room because they really grew together as service-minded professionals in Ocean Reef. And what my father has always professed as 
one of the things he's loved to do for customers is during the hurricane season, he is, he is there to help them in any regard and ways to make the customer remember you. And that is so clutch in who we are as service-minded professionals to the target market we have. But let's just table that for now. Dave, I'm curious, and this is a, a very um, important question, I think, for me and for other people on the call. Ocean Reef is always on stage, meaning a staff member in Ocean Reef is wearing the shirt. You know that they are employed by Ocean Reef, but there tends to be, from our perspective, a lot of administration going on in the background that tends to get us sort of multitasking a little bit too much. Can you talk about how you trained your staff members in Ocean Reef that when they're in the presence of a customer, either on the phone or in person, that they just drop everything else and they are fully present for that conversation. Can you tell me a little bit of how you train the staff members on that concept? Sure, and, and you're 100% right, uh, Claude. It is focus, 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 focus. So, and it's about active listening, and it goes right back to my acknowledging existence. If I'm talking to you, and you are multitasking, and multitasking maybe I just asked you a question or something, and you're on your phone um, texting somebody to do what I just asked you to do, the fact of the matter is, if I'm the speaker, I don't have your attention. You are doing something else other than listening to me. So it's all about active listening. So if I sit there with my arms crossed, I'm looking at the sky, I'm looking around, I'm looking down, you know, I'm, I'm listening to you. I got two ears, you know, I got five senses. I can listen and do other things. That doesn't cut it. Active listening means looking at the speaker acknowledging that you understand the speaker, acknowledging that you're buying what the speaker is selling. You're nodding your head. You're doing something to make sure he understands that you understand. There's an old saying, to be understood, you must first understand. So your customer wants to make sure you understand them. It doesn't matter what you're about ready to say. They're not gonna listen to you until you understand what they're gonna say. Because until you understand what they're going to say, the only thing they can think of is, I got to get this guy's attention. You know, I, mean, he, I need him to understand what I'm saying. You know, so if you're talking to him, it's in one ear and out the other because they're waiting for you to shut up so they can talk. So let them talk. Make sure you understand what they understand. So even if you think you're helping them out by multitasking, you're not, you're probably insulting them. And there's cultural differences. And I don't know, Claude, if you want to get into cultural differences, but I assure you, uh, having focus with the, uh, with the speaker is really important. Being engaged, doing what we describe as active listening is really important. Yeah, agreed. And I think with everything going on in the multiple levels of customers that we're serving, the volume, the sheer volume of human interaction, we tend to get caught up in the things we have to accomplish as opposed to fully engaging with the customer. And I'm, I'm guilty of that as well. Um, Let's, let's turn towards the reality that we're not always going to appease the customer with our customer engagement. And how do we as service-minded professionals handle customers that may not be content with our engagement? Yeah, so listen, we all want to do a good job, right? We think we're really good at our jobs. Some of us think we're great at our job but mistakes do happen. And maybe it's really something outside your control. Maybe you promised a customer something and a vendor or supplier didn't get you what you need, so you weren't able to get what they needed. Maybe there's a billing error, who knows, but the mistake was uh, somehow made and now you're in recovery mode. So first thing you have to know is you're in recovery mode. You have an upset customer. How do you handle that upset customer? Well, 
surprisingly, the first thing you do is listen to the customer. Let them get it all off their chest, exactly what we just talked about. So Starbucks actually has a process because they're Starbucks, they call it latte, L-A-T-T-E. <clears throat> so think of the latte method whenever you have an upset customer. L, listen. A, acknowledge. Acknowledge the problem, acknowledge their existence. So first of all, listen to what the problem is, acknowledge the problem. Don't be defensive, just repeat back what they just told you. You know, this is what I hear you saying. So what I understand is acknowledge the problem, repeat the problem, make sure you have it right, because you may not have it right. Defining the problem is a first step. You may be, you may listen half-heartedly and think, oh, I think I know what his problem is, and you're working on the solution. You haven't even heard the problem yet. You haven't made sure they know that you know what the problem is. So define the problem, acknowledge the problem. So you listen, you acknowledge the problem. L-A-T, take action. Do something. Don't just acknowledge the problem. Yeah, it looks like you got a problem on your hands. Well, they're talking to you, so you can take action, right? So T, take action. And then the other T, thank them, right? Thank them for bringing this to your attention. Thank them for being a loyal customer. If you know, if they're a long-term person, tell them exactly how long they've been their customer. Claude just said, yeah, I think I've known you 15 years. So say, listen, you know, you've been a good customer for seven years. There's no one I want to help more than you. <clears throat> this is what we're going to do. I really appreciate you as a customer. So L, listen, acknowledge, take action, thank them. And then uh, E, explain what you did. So that's, you could do two parts, explain what you're going to do and then explain what you did. So the E is a two-parter. So if you can do something right away and explain what you did, that means follow up, follow through, that's important. If you solve their problem and don't tell them about it, they don't know you solved their problem. They may be thinking, when the hell is this guy going to get around to it? We do so that a got, lot. Yeah. yeah. You actually do it. You actually do what you're supposed to do. You actually make the customer happy, but you don't tell them you made them happy. So yeah. they're still waiting for you to make them happy. So you have to explain what you did. Latte. Listen, acknowledge, take action, thank them, explain what you did. That was a good handle. Latte. Listen, acknowledge, take action, thank them, and explain what you did. And I just, one more, I got three questions because I know we can keep going. And these three questions I definitely want to get to. But what you just explained is, is really a follow-up process with the customer. And, you know, can, can, you, can you elaborate a little bit more on the communication with the target market we have? Should we be afraid to engage them via text message, via overly communicate with them? Yeah, so um, because sometimes we tend to think they're too busy, you know what I mean? We tend to think we're bothering them because they're too important, and who cares about you know their pool? Hey, Donna, what's up? Rody, I'm the supervisor here. Hey, Donna, just wanted to ask Let's you, listen uh, to this engagement. You know what's going on with the pool? <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just sure oh, it just needs chemicals. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 no problem at all. So, um, the uh, the question again, just to restate it so everyone's on the same page is following up with our customers and, and explaining and thanking that kind of stuff. I, I believe I may speak for other people on the call that there may be some timidness with commu overly communicating with people that are very important. You know what I mean? That we know are wealthy and busy. Yeah. How do we approach that? Yeah. So I know people do worry about uh, too much communication, but I, I remember when I was uh, first in this business and and I went up to Tallahassee and I'm in a room with one of our state senators and a call comes in and it was his pool guy. And he said, excuse me one second, I got to take this call. 
So he takes the call and he tells the pool guy what the problem is and he hangs up the call. And at first I was a little offended that he was taking care of this personal business. But then I realized that whether it's your pool guy or your car guy or your doctor, you know that they are out in the field doing something. And so if you miss them, you may not be able to catch them again, or it may be more difficult. So here is a state senator interrupting a call with what I think is an important constituent um, to take a call from his pool guy because he didn't want to miss the call. So uh, that, I think that is a good lesson. You, yes, uh, you can over-communicate, and yeah, you can bother people. But I think that's a, if you're talking about probabilities and statistics, I think that's a relatively pro small problem. I think the bigger problem is not communicating enough, not letting them know. Uh, a text message is not offensive. Listen, if you get a text message, you can glance at it, you can ignore it. A follow-up email is not offensive. You can read it whenever the hell you want. So, you know, don't, don't worry about that sort of things. And I, I talked to you about um, <clears throat> offering uh, to upgrade their landscaping. I oftentimes hear people, well, I'm not a salesman, you know, that's not my job. I don't want to insult them by telling them something. Once again, you're not insulting them. You're the expert in your field. That's why they hire you. So they want you to tell them things that you know. As a matter of fact, if you don't tell them things, they'll be even more upset. They'll be like, well, why didn't he tell me? You know, why didn't he tell me I need to change my irrigation cycle? Why didn't he tell me that I need a, a, the bug man to come out and spray before it wiped out, uh, you know, my entire row of bushes here? So, you know, you do need to communicate. They won't be insulted. And the opposite is true. They may be insulted if you don't communicate. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're really busy. They, they're really important but you're the expert they they want to hear from you they spend a lot of money on that landscaping right i mean this is this isn't a, yeah. a small thing they take a lot of pride in their landscaping that's when I mean, we take pride in our appearance right this is the appearance of their home they take pride in the appearance of their home and if you're responsible for that appearance it's really important that uh, you're communicating yeah thank you for saying that we could not have said that better and, and my father and i and i think other people in this call believe in it as well and our goal, remember, as leaders in the company is not to retain this for our own accord, because I think everyone on this call already knows some of these concepts. It's about transitioning these philosophies onto the people that are out there in the field as well. Um, how would you suggest that we stay proactive? Because our, unfortunately, we tend to just put fires out, deal with problems. At, from a pool and landscape industry perspective, and as being a customer of ours, how can we serve our target market proactively? What could we do to anticipate problems and handle them before they come up? And well, how important is that? First of all, let me acknowledge it's not easy. And then let me say what I tell my guys all the time. If it was easy, anybody could do it. Yeah, it's not easy to persevere and constantly be proactive. But that is a cornerstone of customer engagement versus customer service. It's a cornerstone of world-class service. It's a cornerstone of going from good to great, being proactive, not reactive. Why, why would you wait for someone to step in a hole and then fix their broken leg? You know, you say, hey, there's a hole there, walk around it. You want to be proactive. You want to fix it before it happens. You want to make sure the, uh, the problem 
um, doesn't occur, basically. So let me, let me stop right there because there's one tangible question I want to ask. You know our target market. What would you say if we saw a problem, we fixed it, and sent them a bill, a small bill, something other th under $200? Would you think they'd be offended by that? Because what happens, what happens often, and I'll, I'll try to say this quickly, is we see the problem. We just wait for approval. We administer the problem as opposed to just being the solution and fixing it. That's... That, that is a good one, Claude. I, I have to tell you, I, I think as quickly as you can get approval, um, you, need to get, you need to wait for, wait for the approval. Unless you've already, it's all about communications and relationships, right? If I have a relationship with you, and if you've already told me, um, or, I've, or somehow we've communicated with each other, listen, I'm going to be in Ohio all summer, if there's something minor, go ahead and fix it and send me the bill. You've already established that as a relationship. You've already established that as a service level. Then they won't be surprised. But surprising somebody with the bill is a sin. You know, people don't want to be surprised by a bill. So it's, a, it's, a try, it's taking the element of surprise out. So if you've already said, I'm going to do this, or they've even asked you to do it, or you've asked them ahead of time proactively, You've anticipated that there may be little things coming up over the summer where they may be tough to reach because they're in Italy or Bali, Indonesia, or, or somewhere exotic. You, um, then they won't be surprised if they get a $200 bill because you, you fix something. But it's all about having that relationship with somebody and knowing what that relationship is. So what I hear is try to establish those relationships with important customers and have those conversations proactively so that when something inevitably in our industry comes up, you're prepared for it and you can handle it without administering an approval process. But also if per se, it is a pool that's draining and we know this is a problem and we can't get in touch with the customer, what I hear from you is that we should call them, send them an email, text them and say, hey, there's an issue and we can't get in touch with you, but we're going to go ahead and fix it. Is that... Would that be permissible? There's no question about it. And the, and the, the answer is a, a, a definitive yes, because the think of the opposite. <clears throat> Hi, Mrs. Jones. Yeah, we saw your pool was leaking. Um, we couldn't get a hold of you, so we didn't fix it. We let your pool drain. We let, we let your hose run. We, we saw that leak, and yeah, you got a $2,000 water bill, but you know, we couldn't reach you. What were we supposed to do? So <clears throat> yes, if there is an, an emergency, then absolutely take care of the emergency. Make, it, make a quick stab at it. By the way, call them on the phone. Phones still work. I mean, they're not, it's not just text messages and emails. Call them on the phone. People are sometimes, like you just said, they're afraid to call. You know, call them. If it's urgent, call them, call them, call them. And if you can't reach them, maybe there's somebody else you can reach to get prior approval. But if you can't, you've got to fix it. You can't just let a little problem become a big problem. You've got to, you've got to do it. You're right, Claude. And then pay the price. You know, if they argue with you, then you say, listen, I had two choices. I did what I thought was best. I really thought, then now you're in recovery mode, right? Yeah. <laughs> so you, you well, you're, you're speaking our language because I know Sue, if she's listening, Mike, um, Sheldon, they deal with that every single day. Cindy, there, there are issues that need to be solved and we kind of have to discern as to whether or not we solve it right now or whether or not we wait for an approval and who the customer is and we customize that. But that, that's really good and I agree. All right, two more questions. Uh, professionalism. When, it, when we talk about customer engagement, how do our customers want to perceive us visually? And, and what does that do if we don't present ourselves in, in a professional manner? And how did you train your um, team in Ocean Reef to, to be on stage professionally and dress code and that kind of stuff? So 
we talked about there being a difference between uh, those of us working there and those of us living there. Uh, so there should be a visual distinction as well. So in the office, we always wanted to dress slightly better than the homeowner. So if I was walking around with khaki pants and a long sleeve dress shirt on, and Mr. Jones is wearing shorts and flip-flops and a polo shirt, it's pretty easy to tell which of the two of us is the employee. And of course, we always had an orca on our, our shirts as well. So <clears throat> you want to dress professionally. We, we talked briefly about uh, communication. So the words you use express about 7% of your message. 7% is the words. The, the rest of it is body language as well as delivery. And delivery includes the clothing you are wearing. There's a reason the judge is wearing robes and is elevated above everybody else in the courtroom. You have to look up to the judge, even though he's seated. He's wearing a very formal attire. The attorneys are all wearing coats and ties, very formal setting. I can tell you <clears throat> the rare times that I put on a tuxedo, I stand differently. I'm wearing a tuxedo, I'm thinking, yeah, looking pretty good today, you know? I'm feeling it, it changes the way you look. When I'm wearing a bathing suit and a, a t-shirt, you know, I'm, I may be slouching, you know, I, I'm, I'm very comfortable and casual. So your, the clothes do actually change your, your whole appearance. But uh, you can't forget uh, body language, your facial expressions, your delivery, your tone. Your tone is critically important. Most of us have pets. So go up to your dog today and say, who's the ugliest dog in the world? Who's the stupidest dog in the world? You know, that dog's gonna be really happy. Then, then yell at him and say, I love you, you're great. You know, he's gonna cower in fear because all he's hearing is your tone, right? And I know my mom, you know, I would agree with my mom. Yeah, yeah, I agree, I hear you. David, I don't like your tone. Well, I'm told you I agree with you. You know, time out, you're in the room. So <clears throat> your tone is critically important. Your body language is critically important. Your appearance is critically Those are all the way we communicate with each other. So that's, that's why how you dress um, is important. Now, some people, uh, there's a guy named Dick Farmer there. I don't know if you, uh, some of you may uh, remember Dick. <clears throat> He's in the uniform business. Every time I would go into a meeting with Mr. Farmer, he would comment on my clothes because that's what he does. He's in the uniform. He is noticing what everybody is wearing because that's his business. Now, <clears throat> other people will also notice what you're wearing if you've got a coffee stain on your shirt, if you've got a button missing, if your shirt is inappropriately uh, undone, male or female, <clears throat> they will notice that. You know, you are the professional. Keep that in mind. There's, a, there's, there's two people standing there. <laughs> you, everybody wants to know which one is the professional, which one is the client, All right? Yeah, that's, it's difficult, I think, with the multiple generations we have, and we have these headphones that everyone likes to wear. Um, I, I tend to not want to offend certain staff members when I say, listen, you can't wear that chain, or you have to tuck in your shirt, or your, your pants are stained with chlorine, and you know, it's, it's a hard delivery. But what you just said reinforced some of the reasons why. It's not about offending a staff member. It's about creating unity amongst our team and presenting ourselves professionally to the customer. And if our mission is to serve the customer, we have to take that seriously. So thank you, Dave. That's, that's awesome. Um, last question, and then I'll open it up to the group to kind of answer more. You know, you worked in Ocean Reef for 27 years, and we, we service outside of the gates of Ocean Reef, but we tend to niche ourselves in this target market with serving high-end customers. Can you give us and kind of summarize a synopsis of, of 
what it takes in order to be good at consistently serving um, others and doing it with, with passion and positivity. And can you give us some wisdom there? Um, you know, I, I can, I can even tell you some, uh, some general takeaways uh, from my, my time there as well as not only just serving the members, but as all of us in on the phone call are supervisors in one way, shape or another, or professionals in one way, shape or another. Uh, there are some things uh, that I would do differently now than I, I did in the past. And um, I know I'm a management uh, trainer. And this may so, sound self-serving, but I really didn't realize the importance of not only constant positive reinforcement, uh, but also constant training. I thought, listen, we had a training session four or five years ago. Everybody's on the same page. Everybody's in the same bus. We're all moving in the right direction. You know, I, A, I didn't realize some people's, uh, what's obvious to me may not be obvious to you. Uh, we have new people who didn't hear that message before. Um, and one of the things I learned about Ocean Reef, which I thought was interesting, is the wide range of management styles that are successful at Ocean Reef. You know, some people are great leaders and some people are kind of, I don't want to say jerks, but it's uh, my way or the highway, and yet they're still successful. So... <clears throat> I allowed my management team to have a wide range of management styles because I thought, you know, I, I recognize that as a commonality with ocean reefers. In hindsight, I wouldn't have uh, had that broad a range of management styles. It's important to communicate the values of the customers to everybody. And it's also to, uh, important to communicate that there is a way that we run this business. So holding employees accountable, which is what we want to do, Changing employees' behavior, um, there's a, a, a range of doing that. Most people use discipline. They use progressive discipline. They change people's behavior. They hold them accountable through dis discipline. So everybody knows what progressive discipline is, right? You start off, uh, you, know, you know, having a verbal warning and then a written warning and then maybe a suspension or a demotion. And as a last result, you end up in termination. You, you progress through the discipline cycle to try to give the employee a chance to change before you terminate them. So that sounds pretty reasonable, right? You, you don't uh, give them capital punishment the first thing you do. You give, give them a little bit, a little bit, a little bit. Well, there's some, I don't believe in that. So I don't believe that. I believe in com progressive communication, not discipline, progressive communication. It's your job as the leader to sell the big picture. You mentioned the vision earlier, Claude. You, your job is to sell the big picture, make sure everybody understands the big picture. There may be some zigging and zagging on how to get to the ultimate goal, but you've got to sell the big picture. Everyone has to understand what the big picture is. That's your job as a leader is to sell the big picture. It's your job as a leader to make sure your employees have all the supplies and resources and knowledge to do their job. If, if, there's a, uh, if you go to a Publix and there's a child, you know, pulling stuff off the shelves and, and crying, and the mother is, you know, yanking them by the arm, you know, it's, it's really not the child's fault they're acting ornery. You know, the parents need to take care of their child. The child may not know what appropriate behavior is in public. Maybe they're using their outside voice when they're inside. They don't know there's an outside and inside voice. It's all, and they have to be told that. Common knowledge isn't so common. You have to train people. So <clears throat> through that, once you sell the big picture, then it's uh, progressive communication. You casually mention, Claude, the, you know, if, the, if your standard is to have your shirts tucked in, you just casually mention it. Hey, Bill, don't forget to tuck in your shirt. Oh, I didn't know it was out. You tuck it in. You don't call them into your office and write them up because the shirt wasn't tucked in. You casually mention it to them. 
Now, yeah. if every day his shirt isn't tucked in, then you got to call him in the office and say, Bill, you know, we talked about this. It's important you got to tuck your shirt in. Because you called him into the office, because it's a meeting, you've now elevated communication. You haven't talked about discipline. All you're doing is, is talking about positive things, what your expectation is. What does right look like? What are they doing differently than right? Giving them a chance to change and see what happens. Now, if we communicate, casual mention, we communicate to having a verbal discussion, the next time you have a verbal discussion in the office, somewhere formal, this time you mention discipline. For the first time, you mention discipline and say, listen, we've talked about this before. It's really important you do it. You know, if we don't do it, then if you don't do this specific thing, this specific action is going to happen. I don't know what that may be, you know, the day off or, you know, whatever your appropriate discipline is, or maybe, maybe it's just a written, I'm going to have to write you up the next time you do that. You know, whatever it is, you explain what that discipline is. And then <laughs> it continues on. And by the way, a casual mention, 60% of the time it works. Yeah. Um, if you call them into your office, you know, studies show that it's over 70%. And by the time you mention discipline, it's well over 85% of the time their behavior is resolved just because you simply talked about it. You haven't disciplined them once. All you've done is use positive reinforcement throughout the time. He understands what the right road is and you're gently steering him the right way. Eventually, you may have to discipline them. Um, but of course, you have to go through your HR. You may have to talk to your um, labor attorney before you mention discipline. You never want to write a check you can't check cash. So don't tell him, you know, you do that again and you're going to get fired. And then he does it again and HR says, well, you can't fire him for that. What are you talking about? Well, now you look like an idiot. Yeah. So don't ever uh, threaten somebody until you've worked your way up the chain of command. But hopefully it never comes to that. Hopefully through positive reinforcement, about 85% of the time, this positive reinforcement, this gentle communication will work. But you have yeah. to do it. That was amazing. And, and I'll just kind of comment and then we'll open it up for questions. But, you know, we do believe too that we don't find good leaders or we don't find good people. We develop them. And what you just mentioned with this constant communication, we have a core value called coachable and a desire to coach others. And what, what, although we haven't formalized the way that we do discipline, what you just mentioned is really what we've been doing. Uh, sometimes because it's not formal, it can be subjective and sometimes be frustrating because we don't see people improving. But con not ignoring the issue, I think is really important. Speaking to the person about the issue confidently and knowing that in, in order to develop them, these are conversations that we have to have. And I find it so interesting that the question about your core takeaways after 27 years at Ocean Reef, you didn't focus on the customer, but you focused on your team because you realize the importance of a team and that you are only as good as your team is. And to be able to serve the customer, you have to develop the people underneath you. David, that was amazing. And uh, we thank you for that. And I just wanted to, you know, first of all, I look forward to the, the half day that we're having together, October 14th. And I, I think most people on this call will be invited to that. So that's going to be great. Um, and then I just wanted to open it up to anyone on the call. Um, feel free. We are not in any time constraints. Um, if we have 15 minutes, whatever, um, ask some questions. Feel free to engage David on any subject matters. He's seen it all, heard it all, and dealt with it all. <laughs> Dave, yeah. thanks for spending time with my son and his team. I appreciate it. Hey, Claude, nice seeing you again. Great to see you. Um, the couple things that we're moving, I, I think we need to take more pictures of, of giraffes getting massages. <laughs> but um, 
that that was great. I, I think of uh, the underutilized $600 computer we're all carrying around and how we need to take more pictures. The other thing I loved was the, the cornerstone of good to great is being proactive. Oh my gosh. And the risk of, of being too proactive is far outweighed by, by getting from good to great. I mean, I love the latte, you know, the, the, the follow-up, but it's, it's just great customer service. Um, but, um, I just wondered, I mean, how do you stay so positive? I see some of our leaders get so down and it's just that 5% or even 2% of the negative people that loomed around you for so many years and you, you look over and acknowledge their existence at some street fair and are able to keep them at bay and stay so positive. How did you stay so positive in all these years? It's just, to me, it's just amazing from the people that you had to deal with. So that would be my question for you. Um, you know, how do you, and still, you know, stay so positive? You have to be a good actor. <laughs> so, so before some of you got on the call, I said uh, it was a rainy day today. So I have two teenage boys who are supposed to be out charter fishing today. They're not. They're in the room by themselves. You know, this, is, this did not start out the day I thought it was going to start out with. But you don't start out complaining. Before I walk through the door of my office every morning, <clears throat> I put my shoulders back. I got ready to smile. I said, it's showtime. You know, no matter exactly, no matter what I was thinking, it, it, it didn't matter to my employees what I was thinking. It was my behavior. You know, I might have just got yelled at by my wife for not uh, doing something, which, you know, happens. Um, but I'm not going to come in there, and, and I'm the leader of the organization. To be enthusiastic, you have to act enthusiastic. It's acting. No one's going to follow a leader. If I'm in the military and uh, we're all in the bunker and we're getting ready to attack the enemy, I'm not going to say, hey, listen, guys, we're all going to die. As soon as we stick our heads up, you know, we're going to get shot. Follow me. You know, say, who the hell? I'm not going to follow you. You're, you have to, you're the leader. You have to be optimistic, even if you have to act. So Disney World. I grew up in Orlando. I'm embarrassed to say I was there before Disney World. So uh, when they, they opened up, I applied. Well, A, they didn't hire me. They had very good taste at Disney but you don't apply for a job at Disney. You go to central casting and try out for a part. Everything is acting. If you wanna be a security guard at Disney, you don't go there and say, I'm applying to be a security job uh, guard. They say, listen, we got this role of a security guard. Now this security guard is really, has great situational awareness. He's aware of everything he, around him. He's like a detective. He's always thinking, he's always observing. He's using all five of his senses all the time. And he really loves children. Now, are you interested in playing this part as a security guard? And so, and we have this great costume you can wear, the uniform. <clears throat> and so you play the part of a security guard. If you're the cashier, you know, we have this part of a cashier. You know, she's really accurate. She loves counting money. She really loves children. And, you know, but she's, she's really precise. Would you be interested in playing this part as a cashier? You know, we got this really cool costume, cashier's costume. So when you go to Disney as a, an employee, quote unquote, as a cast member, you're not working. You are playing a part. So <clears throat> it also helps with any, if you get insulted by somebody, you're not being insulted. You know, it's all part of the play, right? You know, they're insulting this character that you're playing. It's not you, it's this character. So <clears throat> a lot of it is simply acting. And if you act happy, if you act enthusiastic, you become happy, you become enthusiastic. 
the opposite is true too. If your spouse has a headache, <laughs> headaches are contagious. If they're in a bad mood, that may just spread to you. Same thing is true with your organization. You go in, you have a headache, you're not feeling well, you're sort of dragging. You know, someone says, how are you doing? Well, you know, not so good today. Well, you know, the whole vibe goes down, you know, everybody else, and by the way, if everybody else sees you acting like that, it's okay to act like that. If I'm not feeling well, I guess it's okay to let everybody know I'm not feeling well today. So <clears throat> to be enthusiastic, you have to act enthusiastic. And a lot of it is frankly just an act, you know, but it becomes reality after you do it long enough. Hi, Hi Dave, nice to meet you. I actually wanted to be before Claude talk. He, I wanted to ask about the enthusiasm. So thank you for, for that answer. Um, uh, there's a component that you mentioned uh, here in South Florida um, that is big, the, the cultural aspect, right? It's not only the, the South Florida, Florida uh, melting pot of culture from many, 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 many countries, but also the people that are going into Ocean Reef. Um, other than the the listening, other than the understanding the customer or, or going deeper, what do you suggest? One or two or three elements that, hey, we have multiple different cultures. What do you suggest we should work on? And that is easy at every level. It'll be easy for the guys here, be easy for the guys reporting to them that, hey, we're different. We have different skin colors. We have different nationalities like that concentrate on this and that will break the barrier a lot. Yeah, to well, start with, we don't even know how to pronounce the name. <laughs> Bingo! So that's where you start. Name recognition, right? And name usage. I want to make sure I understand how to pronounce your name because I want to use your name in the discussion. So the baseline, the very baseline for Ocean Reef, this isn't going from good to great. This isn't going from customer service to customer engagement. This is the baseline. Ocean Reef's baseline is name recognition. And if you know Mr. Smith's name, call him Mr. Smith. <clears throat> if, uh, you, if you're sure that's his wife and not his niece, you know, call her Mrs. Smith. <clears throat> you know, use their names. If you know the pet's name is Little Brownie, talk to Little Brownie. You know, okay. use their name. So name recognition is critically important. Now, cultural differences. Um, Claude told me, uh, David, you know, the, some people may be late getting on the call. So even though we started at 8.30, it may be 8.40. Now, I know that may be true because your staff and he knows that you guys have meetings before this meeting. And so he's thinking that through. But I can tell you a huge cultural difference is ocean reefers expect everybody to be on time. And in my organizations, organization, if you weren't five minutes early, you were late. So if I had an eight o'clock staff meeting, everybody was there at 7.55. And there was many times I'd look around the room and we're all there, so we start as soon as everybody's there. There's many times we're all there at 7.55, but one person. So we're all sitting there waiting for the one person. And sure enough, you know, a couple minutes go by, it seems like an eternity, we're finished telling jokes and talking about, uh, you know, what happened was on Netflix last night. And so we start and the guy walks in at eight o'clock and we're all talking shop and he's like, um, did the meeting start at eight? Oh yeah, yeah, but you know, we're, we all got here early, so we started early. So being on time means you're late. So if you're late, even if you're two or three minutes late, you're really seven or eight minutes late because you need to be there five minutes early. So being on time is really important. At the cultural center, they had eight o'clock show times. Well, we have performers coming from all over the world. 
they don't show. I mean, if there's an eight o'clock showtime start, how many conference, how many concerts have you been to that start right when they say they're going to start? They may start 15 minutes later, half an hour later. Uh, Rolling Stones would start two or three hours later. You know, they didn't care. They, you know, it wouldn't start till they showed up. You know, so, but that doesn't cut it at Ocean Reef. It's a, it is a Midwestern value to be on time. They hold that value at a much higher level than other culturals do. Other cultures do. So that is a pretty big cultural difference right there is timeliness. Being on time is uh, really important. Yeah, that's a, that's a great, uh, great baseline for Ocean Reef. And, you know, we already talked about the next level, you know, being friendly, being polite, saying please and, and thank you. Um, my wife's reading this book about Marie Antoinette. And, uh, you know, she's famous for let's saying let them eat cake, you know, being out of touch with the, uh, with the, the masses. And the book was trying to say, you know, that, that wasn't true at all. You know, there was more to the story. And even when Marie Antoinette was walking to the guillotine, as she steps towards to put her head down on the block, she accidentally stepped on the, the axeman, um, the, the guy who pulls the lever's foot. And she says, oh, excuse me, I didn't mean to step on you. And then she puts her head down to the guillotine and gets a cut off. But the last thing she says is, you know, excuse me, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on your foot. So here is the queen you know, apologizing to the guy who's getting ready to cut the cord to kill her. And she's, you know, she's being polite to him. So that is an extreme thing about being polite. But, uh, you know, please and thank yous go a long way. Daniel, I, I saw that you had a question or you were looking to. Yeah. And uh, hi, Dave. Hi, Claude. Hi, everybody. Uh, good morning. Um, so I just wanted to share something with you. You mentioned the word uh, latte. And um, before working with Reef Tropical, I spent five years working at Home Depot. And they had a similar phrase that stuck with me. And I apply it just, you know, in every day and every, every job that I do. Uh, the first is, uh, the word is first. And uh, the, each letter stands for something. The first letter, uh, F, stands for uh, find a customer, uh, find a product. The second one, inquire. It says, uh, inquire, ask open-ended questions and, and uh, probing questions. The third letter is R, stands for respect. Respect, be polite, professional, and positive. Um, S, solve their problems and their projects. And T, thank the customer. And um, it just reminded me of that, and I just wanted to share that with you. And I'm sorry, I'm like, I'm just in the midst of an allergy attack, so I've been turning the camera and muting the microphone on and off. <laughs> The whole time. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. No, no problem, Daniel. And it, it's funny, the second letter, the I was inquire, which means engage, listen. Um, the Broadmoor Resort in Colorado has something called heart. The H stands for hear, empathize, apologize, respond, take action. Marriott has learn. The L is listen, empathize, apologize, respond, notify. So lots of them have these acronyms. By the way, you know what a, a uh, TLA is, TLA over here, a TLA is a three-letter acronym. It's, it's nothing. I just like using it. So it's just a three-letter acronym. So lots of these places have acronyms, but they all, the word listen, inquire, they're always a first or second letter because you have to know the problem before you can solve the problem. You have to listen to the customer. And most of them have the apologize in there or thank them in there um, as well. Yeah, those are all great acronyms. <clears throat> Hello, good morning, everybody. Claude, great to see you. Scenery looks amazing. Um, I see you flexing. 
Um, with that said, David, I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your time today. It's always a pleasure to be around you. Um, you're always very positive, and this information is really, really good. Um, as, a, as working in the pool industry, uh, we have um, very limited time with, uh, with the customers until they're, they're ready to really purchase, and then you get to build a relationship. So uh, that first impression is, is very uh, important. Uh, especially in, in the avenue of the pool construction. But again, I just jumped on to say thank you, David, for the information and for your time today. It's always, always great seeing you, Josh. Thanks for tuning in. And I apologize again if um, my uh, presentation is uh, landscape-centric. You know, I, I do know that the pool, <laughs> pool business is a big chunk of uh, what, uh, what Reef Tropical does. <clears throat> so uh, I apologize uh, for, for not using more pool examples. <laughs> Yeah, Dave, I, I want to emphasize what Josh said and, and just close out and say thank you. And we admire, I think, in a lot of ways, your ability to persevere here. What you've done for the club is, is amazing. And the fact that you're continuing to educate and teach other people some of these concepts is great. Um, we believe at Reef Tropical that we're always getting better. We're always learning. We're always trying to use these situations with our customers to, to learn and grow. And I think this conversation really fit into what we're doing and serving the customer, growing our people. It fit into our core values. Uh, we have a thing called service-mindedness, um, our service-minded campaign, and you definitely talked about that. Um, and, you know, lastly, I, I think it's important, and maybe you can just touch on this and, and we'll say bye. I, I, we believe that it's always a leader is people want to follow a leader that's not always right, but a leader that's real. And I think you've, you're that person is you, you are who you are. Here's what you got. I'm going to try my best. I'm going to tell you the truth. And I think that's why people love following my father. And I try to exude some of that myself. Um, before we close out, can you just tell us a little bit, you know, about your realness, your authenticity and why you think that's valuable for your success? Yeah. So you do have to be sincere. You know, I, I mentioned being a, a good actor and that, uh, that is important. Uh, I'm speaking, I'm getting ready to die here. I used to have a battery that I could plug into here, a little battery. Oh. Um, so being, uh, it's, it's hard to fake being sincere. You really do have to care about people. And once again, it's, relationships are primary. Everything else is derivative. So once you develop this uh, caring, compassionate uh, relationship, everything else uh, becomes uh, easy. But uh, <clears throat> no one hates uh, things more than being insincere. If you're saying something, you've actually got to believe it. You, sincerity is important. Um, walking, uh, walking the talk is important. If you say something, uh, you need to do it. Um, you mentioned uniforms and your appearance. Everyone needs to keep in mind, you are the company. When you're talking face-to-face -to, -face to the company, to the customer, you are Reef Tropical. Reef Tropical can't be great unless you're great. Keep that in mind. You're representing uh, the company. If you want to have a great organization, you have to be great. When they think of Reef Tropical, they're oftentimes thinking of you. You. So your behavior is reflective on, on the big organization. So it's, if you want to go from good to great, you got to look in the mirror. You've got to become great. And one way to become great, it's, it's, just, it's not through osmosis. It might be training, Claude. <clears throat> but uh, through constant training, constant positive reinforcement, you can be great. The company can be great. And, and that's what you should be striving for. Love it. Great way to wrap up. All right, guys. See you later. Have a great day.